Hello and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. Well, I say Fool's Daily. Fool something. Why just call it Fool Gaming Fools or something? Um, I'm joined by Matt, I should say. Hello, Matt. Hello. Um, so I had this new idea, you see, that um, because we're bloody hopeless at recording recently, um, and the stuff that we have recorded... Um, some of it has not been of the best quality. Not recording-wise, just content-wise. Um, and we should just talk about things that we've been doing and stuff. And it doesn't matter what games it encompasses and things like that. And time limits and things should just go out the window. So a, I concur. A general gaming podcast um, that, that we just talk about stuff. When we can. So, oh, fools irregularly. Yeah, yeah. So same thing and same feeds and stuff, but just you know, no constraints, no boundaries. Can't put me in a cage, man. Can I swear? No. Can I swear? No. Oh, you said no constraints or boundaries, then. Yes, on what we can talk about, not on what language we can use. People prefer it when we don't swear because then they can listen to it in the car with their children. Yeah, I suppose so. Hi, kids! Your kids won't be listening. They're not my kids, other people. Hi, other people's kids! <laughs> you can go to prison for that. Well, that, no, not technically. I'm just being <laughs> appealing to all levels of listenerdom. <laughs> Not so, like I've touched anybody. Good. Good. No touching. No touching. Okay. So, you see, we've gone from, from no rules, no constraints, and already there's like four rules. Well, I think they're more rules of, like, society than mm. rules that I'm imposing just on a podcast. Feels imposition. In, in, in well, I'm sorry. I don't want you to feel imposed upon. No, that's fine. I can toe the party line. Can you? Okay. All the time you've seen me when I've had to be grown up. That's true. That is true. You can be you can be a grown up. Anyway, still we did have something to talk about. Yes. Um, which is basically how rubbish you are at gaming and Malifaux at the moment in particular. Yes, generally. Poo poo, but specifically for this particular discussion, Malifaux poo poo. Yes. Yes. Because you're not very good. No. <laughs> I, I was going to come up with some witty retorts, but no, I am poor on a good day. And you've started a new thing as well. You've got a competition with. Fellow rubbish Malifaux gamers. Yes. He and thus far, the delightful Peter Shepherd, absolutely lovely fellow, equally as poo-poo as me, although in fairness I have beaten him in the three games that I've played him. Not that anyone's counting. About trying to... Hang on, I'm just all tangled. Ah! Ah! Right. So I was, I was moving down the hobby bench. Um, yes, so we're going to play some Arcanists during 2017 because obviously, you know, I am dedicated and I can stick to what I say and not get drawn into other factions at all. Or games. Guild 2015. <clears throat> or games, which I'm currently mid-blog post about how focused I'm going to be on, on not starting new in 2017. But everyone who knows you knows but, that's not going to happen. No, I'm, I'm dedicated, and I'm going to be committed to not starting anything new in 2017. Did you not listen to the story? I did listen to the story. I just don't believe it. It's It's got as much well, validity as a Daily Mail headline. Starting new, starting new systems gives you cancer. They are a Daily Express headline for you. <laughs> no, I'm and, it's a, be and it's the immigrants' fault. And it's all the immigrants' fault. And um, 
Uh, and I know uh, eco energy is all a sham. Global yeah. warming is uh, Donald Trump fallacy. Yeah. And Jeremy Corbyn gives you cancer. Oh, undoubtedly. <laughs> and a number of other stupid things. But anyway, <laughs> to get back from waffling, yes, I'm not going to. I'm going to try and start no new systems in 2017 because I've got so much stuff to paint. And I'm going to try and improve my standings in the rankings with a bit of an ar- arcanist off with young Mr. Shepherd. Okay. Um, so I asked the question, or I have asked questions on a slightly more serious level than normally to my little erstwhile Twitter group of why am I so rubbish? Or I've noticed I do this and that's what makes me rubbish. Um, and in the usual supportive style, they've gone, no, it's not that. It's all of this other stuff that makes you rubbish. Yes. Basically. So, yes, as Matt said, we were having a discussion, I believe, yesterday as we record. It was, indeed, just yesterday. And Matt said stuff, and I said, well, that's the second worst thing you do. And Matt went, well, what's the first worst thing? And I said, oh, it's this. And he went, oh. And then Joel said, yeah. <laughs> And then other people went, yeah. So we thought we would yeah. talk about it. So Malifocentric, this show. This one is, but we're going to burble on about all sorts of stuff. Yes, nearly. yes it's just in that Malifaux is what in a kind playing of, at the moment. And in fairness, painting as we speak. Listen. This is me looking for my flesh wash. Ah. There it is. I have one more figure to paint before Thursday. Is that Fiona? Yes. Did you fix her scythe? I have fixed her scythe. I have put her flesh undercoat on. Um, <laughs> Fleshy undercoat. I'm hoping that I will get a load more of her done tomorrow. Really? Um, but yes, so... We said that there were a couple of things that were you make your major errors. Well, let's deal with the thing that I said first, that my okay, own well, kind of... Okay, go on then. The thing that I said that I do, which I consistently do, even when vocalising, I mustn't do this. I mustn't do this. I mustn't do this. I then do it anyway. And being told... And over ex- not to and do being it. told, don't do that, is this kind of overextending myself with general really a kind of big hitting type model just because I can. Most recently, the rail golem who I hoid right up the table into the middle of trouble and he got killed to bits. Yes. And now to be fair, it's not just Malifaux that you do that in. That was everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean your biggest the biggest thing that enables me to win at Epic is that you throw your guys, go, ha-ha, I shall lob them forward and throw loads of dice, and oh, I've missed, and everyone, oh, no, everyone's dead. Because that's what you do. Yeah, there's nothing to be quite so hurtful about. I've got feelings, man. Yeah, I know you have. <laughs> I just don't care about them. So that was the thing that, that was the thing I thought that I did the worserest. And you do but do you, that. I do 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 that. That is a whole lot of do do that I do do. You do do. But it isn't the worst thing that you do. And it, no, the, there is there is doo doo <laughs> that I do do worse too. <laughs> How long are you going to keep this up I'm for? Not really boring at all. Oh, I don't know. Carry on. Well, I'm bored of it already. Because you then, I that you then said, yeah, that's not the worst thing you do. I'm like, oh god, that's worse. Yes. And and you then pointed out, and then Joel piggybacked in as he does and said that I was right. Uh, and. And yeah, well, the opinions vary. Um, but it, again, yeah, it's like I'm conscious that I do, even when I'm saying to myself, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I've done it again! Yes. Which, for those that don't know Malifaux, and, you know, you should, um, is complete loss of control of my control hand. Just fritter it away, willy and yet even nearly, pointlessly, on things that I really don't need to burn cards on. Yes. Malifaux, at its heart, is a game of resource management. You have to manage 
your action points, because obviously you have a finite number of action points that are dictated by the number of turns that you're going to play and the number of models that you have, and you have to achieve certain things using those action points. You obviously have you obviously have more blatant resources such as your soul stones, and you have your more ephemeral resources. And one of your more ephemeral resources. Oh, look at you! Ephemeral. Such a knob. <laughs> it's your control hand. And it's ephemeral because it gets replenished. Unlike your your AP don't replenish. Your, is that um, the definition of ephemeral? Because I'm going to Google that. It probably isn't, but ephemeral means all float. It means all floaty and stuff. That's diaphanous, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. Uh, oh, you, it, look, you look it up. Well, I, you carry on talking. Well, I meander along this path of trade of thought. So there was another. As an aside, there was another discussion on Twitter today where Joe Gerard of the Cheated Fates podcast asked what the most the most powerful the most powerful the the powerless condition in Malifaux is and and I, like, and I agree paralyzed obviously and my response is it's paralyzed because paralyzed takes away ap and you can't get those ap back and if you lose models for one or two turns you know 5 6 ap maybe that's it you that can be a massive switch in the game how are we doing on looking up ephemeral? Uh, sorry, I've, I've gone on to washing spaces. Ephemeral, <laughs> from the Greek, ephemeros, literally lasting only one day. It's the concept of things being transitory, existing only briefly. Like your control Typically, hands. the term ephemeral is used to describe objects found in nature, although it can be, describe a wide range of things, including human artifacts intentionally made to only last for a temporary period in order to increase their perceived aesthetic value. So, yeah, okay. Something that is non non permanent. So that was quite a good like, good choice of word then. So yes, I was right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and your control your control hand is ephemeral. A fine. Well, it's also you know it's ephemeral. It's a finite resource, but it is possibly your most powerful resource as it enables you to change how things are going. I mean, that's the, the whole game is based around this cheating Fight. face. Yes. Changing an outcome to one that is more preferable by this thing that you have ephemerally in your hand. Yeah. But you have to use it correctly. Like any resource, you have to, you know, you have to use your AP correctly. You have to use um, your soul stones correctly and you have to use your control hand correctly. And the easiest thing, in Malifaux, the easiest thing to make you do, and our friend Pete as well, Yes, stupid Pete. Is throw away your control hand on things that you don't need to do. So if we take we pl- we played what was it last week? Yes, we did. Um, so there would be combat. There would be combats that you would be winning on models that I didn't care about, and I would discard a mm-hmm. lowish card to push the combat total up one, and then at that point you should go. No, I don't care. I'm, it's, a, it's a model that, whilst I'm in combat with it, isn't actually going to influence the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. But you would throw, you would go, "No, I am going to smash you," and put out a card to get a hit in. Mm-hmm. Wasting and- a card from my control hand that I would need probably only two activations later, and then I would pull this strange little face that is not pouty that would go. Oh yeah, that ten times I needed that over here for this for that yeah. I wanted to do later. Yes, because you don't allocate the cards in your hand and go, "Oh, I need that." It'd be like it'd be like if you were playing um, Bet Noir, and Bet Noir, if she gets killed on a ten, she's not. You know, you put a ten in, she's not actually killed. Yeah, but you throw your ten away to in her defense flip. So, you know, you put your her ten into a defense flip. Instead of keep it, instead of her just going, oh, she dies, then she comes back. Yeah. And that's the easiest thing to manipulate about you is to make you just waste your control hand. And without your control hand, your later parts of your turn, you're hampered because you're basically going, I need to flip an X. I need to flip yeah. a Y. And that's when you get into the, this deck's only got low cards in it. Because it has. All of my decks have only got low cards in. 
whole game is flawed with my low cardage. It's the only reasonable and logical explanation. Yes. But, you know, it's something that you can work on. Hmm. You need to think, you need, need to think about, say you're being attacked. Is this model worth saving? If you get charged, for example, and the first hit is going to kill your model, you look at your control hand and you can go, well, I could put this 12 in and it might miss. But you've got to think, there's a second, I know there's a second attack coming. I haven't got another reasonable card to stop it. Am I going to be able to save this model or am I effectively throwing the card away? Because the second attack of the charge is wasted anyway. It's a wasted AP. Yeah. You know, it, it, your model, the opposing model just stands there flailing about. It's, is it worth, wait, if you know a model is going to die, is it worth wasting a card on the first AP just to make your opponent flip another one? It depends on the model. Sometimes it is. If you've got a hard-to-kill model and wasting it, you know, putting the card in to make him miss on the first one will keep him alive on the second one because he's only going to go down to his hard-to-kill. Yeah. Then it's worth it. Otherwise, it's not. And it's the same with things like soul stones. Is you know, am I going to die regardless in this activation? Even if I put stones in, am I still going to die? Mm-hmm. Then, then there's no point in putting stones in at the beginning. Now, yes, you can you can make the counter argument. Oh, but what happens if they flip rubbish and then I would su- have survived? But you're going. You've got to think in a in a standard deck of cards. There are a lot of cards that are ten or more. Not ever in my deck. What is it? 12? No, 16. There are 16 cards. So, including the red, with the red joker, there are 17 cards out of 52, out of 54 that are 10 or higher. So that have you believe. I flipped about 152 cards the other day, and I don't think one of them was harder than a four. I think you're wrong. Okay. But yeah, um, is that? I guess it's it's almost a focus only on that one particular activation or that one particular opposed duel at that point, and not thinking beyond that. That is where I'm particularly where I particularly suffer because. It is. It's, it's that thinking through beyond the next card flip. Yes. Yes, it's the... If this model does die, well, you know, what's going to happen next? It's, mm. I mean, another example from our game the other day. The Rail Golem on the Kanakanaka Sniper. Mm-hmm. So I put a high card in to stop one of your Rail Golem's attacks. Yeah. Because it meant that the Rail Golem in that activation couldn't go rampaging into the middle where it still would have an AP left, but it meant that you got stuck in a particular place, thing and you had to use your momentum to kill the Kanakanaka Sniper, yeah. which is effectively, I traded a high card for, two of, for two of your two AP. Two of my AP, yeah. Which was, a, which was a good choice because it meant that you your next turn all you could do was walk into the middle and then stand around impotently. Huh. Yeah. Life does not imitate art. I'm never impotent. I wouldn't strong, know, fortunately. Strong, strong <laughs> it's not something that I'm privy to, for which I shall probably be eternally grateful. Quite possibly. <laughs> what, quite possibly that I will never know? No, 100% I will never know. Well, it depends what Mrs. Marshall chooses to tell you at a later date, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, fine. You keep deluding yourself like that, and hope your girlfriend doesn't listen to this, or well, that, I, sn- that I snip it out and put it on Facebook. Yeah, if you do that, then she will be snipping it out, <laughs> and it will not go on Facebook. It will go in the garbage. <laughs> um. So I suppose the question—the question is, what you can you what can you do about it? How are you? How are you going to? Constraint. I mean, the, t- the two things. I mean, your overextension and... Oh, I was expecting a smutty laugh there. Um, no, I wasn't going to give you the satisfaction. Um, I'll give that to Mrs. Marsh. 
and um, your resource management, which is ultimate, and ultimately Malifaux is a game of resource management. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it, uh, and it may be it will signpost things to um, my opponent initially, but I don't give a rat's. Um, is when I draw my card, is put the cards next to the models that, are, that I want to allot them to. So if I know that that 10 of tomes is what I need to generate some spiders or to reactivate something later with Stoke, um, although I do take on board what you say about don't get hung up on Stoke. That's a terrible mismolding. Um, what are you painting? Um, at the moment, I'm gluing together my brass arachnid proxy. Ah, there's a slightly misaligned mould, which is slightly annoying. Who, who but, are they? Who from? I got the, one of the little robot spiders from Blightwheel Miniatures. Oh, okay. Because it fits on a thirty by thirty. Well, unlike the bigger, brass arachnid. Unlike the brass arachnid, so it's bigger than um, a little spider, smaller than a big spider, and fits on a thirty mil base. Nice. Who'd have thought it? But uh, yeah, so and that means I can get him painted for the weekend, which is will be where in theory I put some of this to the test. Okay. So anyway, yes, with my control hand, it's about looking at that control hand because when I do that, I look and I think, oh, good, good, I need that for that, and I need you know this card for that, and this card for the other, and you know, oh, high masters are always good here or there. So I can do that initially, but then I get carried away and forget all that crap once the cards start flipping. Right. So do I take the card out of the control hand and put it next to? Um, in effect, the, the stat card of the model to which I'm in, allotting where it needs to be used at a later date. Okay, yeah, that seems reasonable. And that way, you know, anything that I've got left is in my hand. There's the stuff to play with. Okay, that sounds good. Um, and yes, it does telegraph what you're going to do. But I think, I mean, certainly with someone like Ramos, um, he's it's pretty much telegraph what he's going to do anyway. Yeah, it's going to make spiders. Yeah. Because that's what he does. That is what he does. Unless you use your cards up, which you need in order to make the spiders, earlier on, wastefully, when you don't need to. I can't believe you would do that. Well, opinions vary. So, yes. Um, and it's. I guess it's just training my brain to not get caught up in the, the precise moment, moment of the activation that I'm playing of kind of stick to the plan and have a plan, which would be good, because sometimes I don't. And, uh, well, yeah, I don't Joel... Think, I, don't think you need to, I don't think you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan on how to... You're going to achieve your schemes. Yeah. How are you going to get your points? Steal them. Um... Now, one of the things would be to pick better schemes. Yes. But that's going to come with practice and learning More what, you can, what you can do with the resources that you have at hand. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's picking them and then going, A, going, oh, why did I take that? I can't actually achieve that. Or B, going, well, I did that, but it took me a lot of effort, whereas I could have done this one much easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to our game the other day, and I made this is an error I made. I took um, the murder protege on your rail golem because I knew I could mm. kill it. Yeah, but I could have done some of the other schemes out of the scheme pool a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and whilst you think, oh, it's easy to kill a model, and it is easy, relatively easy to kill a particular model. Well, it's um, with Masaki. Yeah. Um, you you know, you still have to spend AP getting into the right position, and if you've got a canny opponent, then they'll they'll position their targets, because it's a, you know, pretty much a known target, they'll position it so you can't get to it, and um, it can all get very complicated. Hmm. But, okay, so you're going to put, so you're playing in a tournament on... Sunday. Sunday. Yes. Yes, well, I was hoping for a spot at Bike Foe, but in the time it took for them to sort of come through the uh, the list, Pans has organised a pop-up event, I guess, really. You 
have to call it that because it's short notice 16 on a new in a new venue in Northampton that's replacing whichever one it was that they used to hang around Warzone in. Work. Yes, it's, it's still Warzone it, work. It's still called Warzone Workshop, I think. Yeah, it's but just not a their games. It's called. just a different Warzone Workshop from the previous Warzone Workshop because that one's closed. Um, yes. and Carl McConnell, McConnell or McDonald's. Yes, one of them. Um, I remember? I'd have to go and look it up. Um, has um opened up his own game store and i think he's taken i think he's taken a lot of the the stuff from the previous one mm-hmm. for this new venue which is smaller hence only being 16 players but yes yes if i was if i was around i would have gone with you but you're an american i am an american playing in a tournament which i discovered today does not have a painted crew requirement <laughs> which is interesting things that you were working towards exactly that Yes, as I've been painting journalists. Um, Which they seem a bit good. They were good in our game, weren't they? They certainly were. Um, so, yes. So, I've got a, a Panzer's event, which is only a 16-person event um, on Sunday. My current ranking standings are yep. I've reached the heady heights of... Bear with me, I'm scrolling down quite far. You can search for yourself. That seems... <laughs> find myself with my uh, with a map in both hands. Uh, 139th. Okay. Which is not my highest ever position. <laughs> my highest ever position in December 2015 was 119. Ah. And it's been a gradual slide downhill since then, however. So I'm currently uh, 139th. My lowest scoring event is Brawl in the Great Hall 2016, where I came 12th out of 16. So that is now my goal for the weekend. Higher than 12, therefore improving my ranking score. Ah. So two wins then? Um, I, yeah, I would wager it'll need to be two wins for getting into the kind of top two-thirds or top half of that table. And looking at, because I'm trying to multitask, crack on a cracker, that's... Where I didn't want to be, that's where I want to be. Looking at the field, could be a struggle. Yeah. Well, although it's sort of short notice and a new place, uh, where has it gone? There it is. Attending, we have some people I've never heard of. Well, read off the names. I'm just scrolling through them. Okay. Craig Woods. Uh, okay, he's Warzone Workshop. Yep. Carl McConnell, uh, owner, he'll be yes. you. You you lose to him. Cheers, Halford. Uh, you'll lose to him. Yes, and everybody will lose the painting competition. Rich Breen, so I'll lose to him. Yes, Aaron Bridgeford. I can't remember who Aaron is. Okay, Connor Truby. Uh, you'll lose to him. Graham Nichols. Uh, you'll lose to him. Yeah. Marcus Rose. You'll lose to him. Yeah. Ross Baker. You might beat him. James Doxey. You'll definitely lose to him. Paul Butler. <laughs> you'll get smashed by him. Adam Hutchinson. Not a chance against him. Chris Donaldson. Um, I've not seen Chris play, so I don't know. Craig Colley. Um, not sure I know Craig. And Matt Weil. I'm not sure I know Matt either. So, going to be a struggle. So the majority, the majority of the field will kick your ass. Or so I would have you believe. Well, no, look, I've just played you twice in the last week. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I know. So what I was going to, I was going to have a look at see if the others appear anywhere on the rankings. But it, it doesn't doesn't read well, if I'm entirely honest. <laughs> he's 57th in the rankings. He's way above me. How many points has he got? 297. Uh, 297. Right. Wow. 314! What a chump! <laughs> Excellent. 
yeah, that's probably the only one that I was going to be possibly. Right. So we didn't know. So basically, what we're saying is we're on a wooden spoon avoidance. Yeah, one win. One win would be good. Okay. You got a win last time out, didn't you? Yes. It was against Peter Shepherds, and he was playing the Crossroads Seven. <laughs> but a win's Not a win. Not sure that entirely counts. Well, I, I was going to take it as a win. And you'll have them painted. Well, I'm working on it. They're, they're getting there. Um, and I've got all week with no duty governors, so I am at home for all but two, where I'm off seeing her ladyship. Um, and there'll be a nice yellow paint scheme. You know they're not yellow, they're white. And why aren't they yellow? Because white is cooler. Or you can't paint yellow. I could paint yellow. I've got a great big pot of some weird stuff that I could put on white to make it yellow right in front of me. Yellow wash. Lamenters yes. wash. Lamenters wash. Or Lamenters no, gla- glaze. It's the, it's the Cassandora yellow. Oh, okay. Which is the one that you use first. And then... Standing right next to that is the Lamenters Yellow Glaze. So apparently, spray it white, put the shade on, dry brush it white, put the Lamenters on, job done. Yes. Lamenters Lamenters Glaze is brilliant at taking out, um, just smoothing everything out. Yeah. All of their glazes are, actually. But I'm not doing them yellow. I'm doing them white. Yes, we know. Because they're the iBots. Okay. So what have you been up to? Um, planning all of the things I'm not going to be buying next year. Right. Um, and, and that's it really. How's this zombie campaign coming? When are we going to play that? Oh, that's one of the things we're doing next year. Oh, that's next year now. No, I mean, that's one of our projects for next year. I've got some zombies I need to paint for it. And I've got a load of really nice terrain from, I don't know whether you've heard of them, the terrain shed. Nope. I think they're doing a Kickstarter, though. I think there's a Kickstarter coming up with some sort of sci-fi dungeon. On. But n- retro sci-fi dungeon. Oh, excuse me, all the hell, a retro sci-fi dungeon. <laughs> it sounds cooler. No. Le retro. Yeah. Le retro dungeone. <laughs> so, yes, we'll be doing that. I've got some zombies to make, um, and I've got a buttload of terrain to make for it. But I can't get distracted at the moment. I'm totally focused on Sunday and trying to win a game. Uh, okay. All right, because I was so, going to talk about the rule set that we were going to use. Oh, okay. Well, I, t- I did that, say then. that we could flip about. Oh, yeah, we just got to flip about and ramble on, weren't we? I forgot. I, for a minute, I thought we were supposed to be focused. No. Stupid. No, we don't have to be focused at all. Yes, carry on then. So, Matt, being Matt, started to build a table for... Um, this is not a test. The post-apocalyptic stuff that we've been playing. And mm-hmm. uh, got the town of Ascension up and up and running, and I created some new MDF terrain bits for it. It was all going swimmingly, and then Matt decided that actually he didn't want to do post. Well, he did want to do uh, post-apocalyptic, but as well as post-apocalyptic, he wanted to do zombie plague outbreak. Yeah. So we had to find a set of rules for zombie plague outbreak. Well, we did really. I just had to go to my shelf. The shelf yes. of a million rule sets. So you went through your shelf of a million rule sets, and you pick. What did you pick? I have it. Actually, I have it here. That's it here. Because I have it's, to. I, have it's, to I can it. see it from here. It's over on the coffee table. It's called No More Room in Hell. It is from so, Iron Ivan Games. Yeah. Uh, now, surviving the zombie apocalypse. To give a little insight for those that don't know, is part of the kind of magpie butterfly nature means that between me and Mr. Marshall, we do have quite a number of rule sets. And back in the day, um, when looking for a decent set of zombie rules, I bought all of them, really, pretty much. Um... But No More Room in Hell, of all the ones that I played, and that included things like All Things Zombie, Ambush Z, Apocalypse Z, um, God, and, and about three or four other ones. Um, no More Room in Hell really 
stuck out as kind of the most enjoyable kind of fun set because um, it allows an ongoing campaign type element. There is minimum bookkeeping. You have a free form kind of character development kind of thing. You've got three tiers of characters. So you've got the hero-y types, which are called, open the book, shot callers. Yep. Then you've kind of got your second order of henchmen that are called something else. Do you want me to tell you? Yes, because I don't have my book to hand. It's over on coffee table. I was waiting for you. I was feeling desperately for you to help me out. I was just letting you suffer. Shot callers and... um, Something else. So you've got shot. You've got shot callers, which are your heroes. So that's yes. your, that's your Ricks. Rick is the shot. Rick is a shot caller. You then have backups. Backups. That's the that's the ones. Um, Glenn is a backup. I would think. Names, characters, but secondary tier characters. Yes. And then you have Sheeple. Who are basically cannon fodder. Yes. Walking buffets. Yes. Um, described, described and the first line of their description is, these are survivors in your group that are not long for this world. They are the mall cops that go out alone into the poorly parking, lit parking lot at 3 end to investigate the strange shambling loiterers. Or the panicky sister who watched her brother Johnny get his head cracked on a tombstone in a struggle with a strange man while laying flowers on a loved one's grave. Yeah. They're going to get eaten. Cannon fodder. They're going to get eaten. But they do form uh, an integral part of your kind of searching party because, do you know what? Zombie apocalypse, there are going to be casualties. Someone um, has to get eaten. Someone's got to get eaten, and it needs to be the kind of people you don't really are uh, particularly emotionally invested in. Yeah, the Ving Rames of the world. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> why, why did you go on Ving? He, he is definitely a backup. He is not a sheeple. You don't think so? Maybe. All right. You're probably right. Because I'm right. It's me. I'm often right. <laughs> However, the pregnant, the pregnant Eastern European girlfriend, sheeple. Yeah. So, this is what we're going to play. Now, I haven't got very far into the rule book. Um, I've basically read character creation, uh, but it does have a lot of interesting things. There's. Um, some of the things I particularly like is that it uses a character creation system where you basically have a number of points for your character and you can allocate those points as you want so you can make your character into how you want them to be. Um, for those of you who are very old, I guess, you might remember the James Bond role-playing game. Um, it, used an exa- it used exactly the same thing and you can you could make your spy character how you want it to be. And interestingly, it also has another thing that's lifted from the James Bond game, in that it has negatives, or drawbacks as they call them, where you can give um, your character negative points so that you have more points, so you can make them a better shooter or something. Um, Mm -hmm. What's a particular favourite of ours, given, given your family? There's two that I particularly like. There's Fat Bastard, um, which I particularly like, given your average gamer shape. And there is special dietary needs. Because in the zombie apocalypse, all of the, gluten, all of the people who have celiac disease are just going to die out because they're not going to get gluten-free food. Which includes my wife and daughter. <laughs> um, so, sorry love, but you're going to die. Learn to eat some wheat. It's not difficult. Well, that would kill the meat. That would kill them as well. But have some bread. It's not going to kill. Oh, it's going it to is going to kill you. But eventually, but then being eaten by a zombie will kill you much faster. So it's a trade-off. Yeah. Um, and I, so I really like that feel of that character creation system is that you can create what you want. And the descriptions of the author's sense of humour is obviously right up our street because he talks about um, things from the Resident Evil movies. Mm. And Mila Jovic running around walls, just shooting. And then he has a line that says, no, there is no skill for running around walls shooting things because that's just stupid. Um, which I particularly thought was good. Uh, 
getting hold of it is not the easiest thing in the world. No, unfortunately, I think it's out of print now. Um, so it's, it is a bit tricky. As I say, I bought it probably 10 years ago. Yeah. I don't know when it was published, but it would have been it was certainly before sort of divorce and all that kind of stuff. So certainly, you know, six or eight years ago. Yeah, there's no PDF version that we could, at least not that we could find. No, there isn't. I've searched time wide. Um, I found it in a Canadian store. Um, so I bought it. I bought it there, and fortunately, didn't get hit with any import duties or anything. So, um, and the shipping wasn't that bad, to be honest. Uh, but you had to wait a few weeks for it. But that's what, so it is difficult to get hold of. But it does look like fun, and we will be playing some games of that. Um, hopefully soon. Yes, as I say, I've bought a box of the Project Z zombies. Oh yes, that's the new Warlord game. Correct. Um, they have some nice. So yeah, they look quite nice. Um, I think it's twenty. I think it was twenty-three zombies in the pack that I got for eleven or twelve quid, including package, so about fifty p each. So I thought, well, they were all right. Um, and I've got a massive box full of various modern survivor type figures, some old street violence bits. Um, funny enough, I'm now looking across the painting desk at a group of the the assault group modern Americans, but I'm kind of painting them up as umbrella corps security guards oh, okay. types in in sort of dark greys and blacks that can just rock up almost as NPCs. Um, so yeah, just just should be fun. Um, and I kind of went over to uh, No More Room in Hell because we played a few games of This Is Not A Test, and it's a really fun and enjoyable game. But I, don't, I wasn't convinced on the kind of longevity of it. We'd played sort of a couple of games, and you're already kind of like, oh, it doesn't quite feel where it should be. Um and frankly, the campaign system in uh, Normal Room and Hell is better. So I thought we'd go with that instead. So yes, it just means zombies um, as opposed to all other sort of radioactive gribblies. But in fairness, there's no reason I can't drop those in anyway. Yes. Yes, there's nothing to stop them being radioactive zombies. Yeah. Um, and the terrain is pretty much the same and yep. um, we've got I've got all my zombie side stuff that I'm going to use so I'm going to pick some of the survivors from that for my survivor group yep. and base you know put them on gaming bases and base them up at least that's and the nice thing yeah and the nice thing for the way the game plays out like most of these kind of things that are of the vein of Necromunda Mordheim kind of thing and the fact that you, you go out and you play your mission and at the end of it there's kind of a, a, a campaign upkeep stage where you need to feed people and some people who have been taken out in the game may develop injuries or may have been bitten and turned into zombies and so there is an element of that but because of that it I'll in effect run the campaign so even as games become available and we're talking Dwayne wants to play it uh, Lee kind of voiced an interest in it. Pete did. Um, not going Neil did. Um, if there's more than one of you available, then you know there could be two gangs on the table. But if it's just a, a week where we want to play a game and there's just you and myself, then I can run the zombies and some NPCs, and you can run your gang. And well, uh, there's, but there's nothing to prevent you from running a gang as well. I don't think is there. Well, no, there's not. But I, that I read it allows it. me to no. But it allows me to do some interesting, more interesting things from a narrative point of view, which I've been thinking about. So, but I don't think because, in effect, you can develop your skills and your experience, it doesn't happen with such a steep curve. And that was always the failing of something like Necromunda, is if you're playing a campaign and you missed a couple of turns, everyone else's gang had accelerated and become so much more powerful that you were behind that curve. Yeah. You could never really catch up. Yeah. You were just turning up to get spanked to give them some more experience points. And I and 
developers want to avoid that. At least that's the plan. Yes. The question will be, re- really, I mean, it, is it going to fall apart like all our other plans when a new shiny comes on? No, because I'm being focused this year. Did I not tell you that right earlier on? Yes, again, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, I was watching uh, Kingdom of Heaven just last night to try and get me off my bum to paint my Crusaders. And I took Lion Rampant to bed with me because you were talking about wanting to do some more, um, I guess, early Renaissance, like medieval type stuff. Yeah, I've always wanted an Ashen Core force. Yeah. Well, Lion Rampant's going to be the ideal thing way to do that kind of, if you like, high medieval retinue. Yeah, and, and as I say, I've already got I've already got stuff for it. So yeah, and we already like the rule sets. So yeah, you know, Daniel Massey's rules. So yes, they do. Mercy, uh, is Mersey. it Messy? Mersey? No, Mersey. Mersey, like the river. What? There's a ferry across it. <sighs> what? That was a deep sigh. That was a deep sigh for your rubbish joke. I think it was quite good. That makes worse. Yeah. But, I'm, but anyway, yes, I'm we know, the, I'm we know the Dragon with the editing ability. <laughs> brilliant. But yes, we know Dragon Rampant works brilliantly, um, and Lion Rampant, in effect, came first um, without the fantasy element. So Yes, and fixed size units. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't have the multiple units, but in fairness, then, you know, it's. Dragon Rampant does all that stuff, we just don't use the fantasy element of it. So if we wanted to have reduced unit, yes. uh, reduced model units, we can. Um, what else have we been up to? Uh, have been doing a retro sci-fi dungeon. You have, yes. And we've been talking about the DAFCON Roadshow. DAFCON Roadshow. Now, that's a good thing. Yes. yes. See? Content and everything. <sighs> yeah, DAFCON Roadshow. There's the thing. Yeah, we haven't done anything about it yet. No. We, well, some passing conversations. Yeah. But in fairness, that's how DEFCON started. Kind of that, a bit of a passing conversation. Is, I remember distinctly the conversation and where we were. Do you? Where were we? Yes, we were in the burger place. Um, was it in York sometime when you talked about we were going to have a festival of small games? That was at SmogCon. Oh, was it? So it was you, me, Conrad, Matty Cole joined us. Oh, that's right. On the, sa- the Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, we 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 went out on Saturday night. That's right. That was the origin of DAFCON, I believe. That's certainly as I remember it. Because yeah. that's where we first had the conversation of some sort of festival of small games. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, DAFCON, roadshows. Um, What's a DAFCON roadshow going to be, Mike? Uh, yeah, well, that's a very good question. So, DAFCON... You know, if you haven't listened before and you don't know who the hell we are, um, I don't know why you found us, frankly, but um, someone might... We were retweeted a load this week, so... Hey, boy. Oh, people looking for general gaming podcasts. We were, we We're in the same buckets as, like, miniature meeples and stuff. Really? Yeah. Blimey, people need to get out more. <laughs> so, um, in April of this year... Uh, we ran a festival of small gaming, basically. Uh, if it wasn't Privateer Press and it wasn't Games Workshop, um, a mainstream Games Workshop, uh, then it was uh, fair dues on it. And so we've had, mm-hmm. I don't know, 17, 18 different game systems over a period of three days. Yep. Um, you know, Relic Knights, Of Gods and Mortals, those Infinity. Malif- Malifaux, Infinity... Um, relics. Batman, did you say Batman already? Yeah, Batman. All that sort of stuff. We ran competitions. Frostgrave. Frostgrave. Yeah. We ran competitions and um, events for. And it was all very successful. We had 75 odd people a day um, come along to play these things. So, you know, we're going to do another one next year in August on 11th to the 13th, I believe, of August. Yes. Because it's the day after my wedding anniversary. <laughs> week before, the week before Gen Con. Yes, week before Gen Con. So, we, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do another one of these. Um, and I've set a 
what people consider to be an ambitious goal of a hundred people a day. Because uh, I think we can, I think we think we can do a hundred people a day, and I think that the game system's there. But it is about championing. There's two things. There's two big elements to DEFCON. One is about championing small game systems and giving play, players of smaller game systems a place to come and play a tournament, a slash campaign, slash whatever you want to do, and also um, promoting new games or games that are going to Kickstarter or at Kickstarter sort of thing. So um, we had, last year we had the Paranoid Miniature guys um, came along with Mythos and ran playtesting with Mythos for three days very successfully. We had Mike Hutchinson um, from Gasland Games bring along Gaslands, which is going to be published next year by Osprey um, in their small game book series, um, come along and play the game and you could play test and influence how the game works and how those pub- those published rules are going to be and he's co- you know he's going to come back and so we have this thing this the demo pit or whatever you want to call it where small you know people who are writing small games can come along and they can put their wares out and get people to come along and the audience that we had was very receptive to the idea of trying new stuff out mm-hmm. um Probably by the time we finish recording this, the guys behind Moonstone, who were uh, Richie P and Tom, who were at um, DAFCON this year showing off First Law Override, Moonstone, their fantasy game, is going to Kickstarter today as we record. Um, so it's it's, you know... It's getting those sorts of games out and having understanding. Des from Roots of Magic, who was there and playing, and I know one of the highlights of his weekend was he got to play Roots of Magic with Gav Thor. Meeting me? No. All right. It was meeting the same per- meeting the same person that you got very excited about, but meeting well, my, Gav, my meeting, mate Gav, your mate Gav. Yeah. Um, meeting him, and so he got to play with that, and so he's going to Kickstarter with an expansion for Roots of Magic. Um, I think next month. So it's 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 helping that and building the audience for those sorts of those sorts of things. And next and next year's event, as well as all of that, we're going to put a ho- we're having a whole load of hobby stuff around. So we're going to be sculpting classes where you can learn to sculpt. And we've got um, Mike and Joe from Oathsworn Miniatures, who you know have knocked it out the park this year with their sensibly dressed mm. um, f- female range. I mean, absolutely smashed it. Yeah. Um, and you know their burrows and badges stuff is taking off. Their anthropomorphic um, heroes—they're really starting to get some traction with those. Um, they're coming along to do sculpting. Um, we've got scratching building classes. We've got um, a lady called Eleanor Ronning, who is a phenomenal painter. She is she's one of those people that shows what it's like when an artist paints a miniature rather than a miniature mm-hmm. painter paints a miniature. She's coming over. She's coming she over. She is a bit good. She's, oh, she's amazing. She's coming over. She's going to teach some painting classes, um, which you can sign up for, and you can be taught by someone who is an amazing painter. Mm. Um, so we've got all of that sort of stuff going on as well. But we need to be able to publicize it more. And so one of the ways that I thought we could publicise it more, and basically it's it's just a way of going away on jollies for weekends. Woohoo! <laughs> um, uh, because I'm going to be organising less Malifaux tournaments next year. So I'm going to, uh, well, no, because I'm going to be focusing on this. Yeah. Um, so one of the ways to do that is to um, have what we're calling at the moment DAFCON roadshows I actually think the Falls roadshows are probably better Um, Mm. where we just rock up at a game store for the day with four or five different taster games effectively of the sorts of things that you'll have at DAFCON so you know Matt might rock up with three tables for this is not a test so yeah. three post-apocalyptic tables. We provide everything. All the gangs are provided. All the methods, yeah. you know, all you need to turn up is turn up, roll some dice, push some figures around the table, have a laugh. Touch my bottom. Preferably not do that. I um, thought we were saying that was going to be an entry requirement. No, that's what you were saying, and everyone was just ignoring you. Uh, okay. 
Um, I'm hoping to do a 7TV game. Uh, really? Yes. What sort of terrain will that be in? Or possibly an evil base. <laughs> will it be retro? It might be. Will it be sci-fi? Well, it might be. Retro sci-fi? Um, so a 7TV game where you play part one of a party of spies who are infiltrating this this evil genius's base. There you go. Um, but also we're hoping to get along the same, you know, Mike, the Mike Hutchinsons of this world to come along to maybe one or, you know, have Carl from Open Combat come to one day to show off their sort of thing. So almost a mini demo pit, if you will. And we're, going to t- we're intending to take this around the country leading up to DAFCON. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've sort of highlighted that we'll have four weekends and we'll do, so effectively eight game stores or venues that we'll yeah. hit with with this travelling roadshow almost. Um, and see if we can drum up some support for people coming down to uh, DAFCON to play. Because, you know, generally, the well, no, not generally, in total, all the feedback that we had at DAFCON was that it was one of the best gaming weekends that people had ever had. Um, and and we they wanted to, wanted to touch my bottom. They did not want to touch your bottom. Though, frankly, the state your bottom is in at the moment, it's easier to touch because it's much, much larger. Oh, harsh. But? I'm working on it. <laughs> um, so, that's what... the DAFCON, Now, we haven't picked anything. and we're going, We'll start in the new year and, you know, we discussed doing, say, let's go to Common Ground Games in Stirling for a Saturday and then go down to, say, Element Games on the Sunday. So, you know, we don't have to travel quite as far. <laughs> yeah. Trying to make it geographically sensible for us to be able to achieve. Yeah, and so we'll crisscross country in four weekends and mm-hmm. um, get down. So if you've got a game store that you think we should turn up at with this road show... Yes, you... I'd love to come in your game store. <laughs> then um, you can tweet at us or email us Falls daily at outlook.com. Yeah, ideally we want at least space to put at least four games on, really. Yes. And preferably six, I would suggest. Yeah. And we haven't quite worked out what the games are going to be yet. Um, but we all, ha- I think both of us have a hankering to show games that didn't really get anywhere or didn't have any presence at DAFCON this year because obviously we yeah. want to broaden the number of systems that we're showing. So. It's not a sales opportunity per se, but it is in that if you show off your wares, then people are going to go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you know, I quite fancy getting to that game. I could go to DAFCON 2 and play it. Yeah. Sort of thing. So um, that's the plan. Because, I mean, we've signed up some, already signed up for DAFCON next year, new things. Think people, you know, Ark World are coming along to run a tournament. The first oh. ever uh, Mythos tournament is going to be run there. Uh, Gaslands is running a tournament. So there are already new things that haven't done tourneys or events before that are going to be showing up. So so that should be quite cool. So that's what, that's what we're going to do next year. And it'll be awesome. It will, and we'll just have to... I'll just have to build a retro sci-fi dungeon. If only plans for such a thing coming were... To ki- coming to Kickstarter soon. Yes. Be there or be square. In, like, four weeks' time. Oh, is that the deadline you've set yourself? Yeah. It's only a £50 pledge. That's a... But only £50, you say? It Get is. behind me, crowd. I want to be first. It is only... If you if you followed the Terrain Shed on Facebook or uh, um, Twitter, then you can see... The sort of thing that we're doing, or I'm doing. I was like, don't say we, I've got nothing to yeah. do with it. Well, you will do, because I'm going to get you to paint some. <laughs> well, there is that, yes. What I'm doing, but uh, so far it seems to have gone down very well with everyone I've shown. And as I say, it is only 50 quid. Bargain! Um, for almost a two-by-two two 
sci-fi dungeon. Will it deliver on time, Mike? Because some things that I've read on Kickstarter mean that some products that people buy don't deliver for maybe two years. When are you planning to deliver this wonderful bargain item, Mike? March. Blimey. That is a swift turnaround on such a unique and wonderfully aesthetic product. How are you going to manage that? Probably hard work. Yeah. Lots of cutting and and swearing. And the the fact that um, to be able to show, unlike um, a lot of things, I don't have to do... It's not renders I'm going to show in the pictures. It's actual product because it's all designed and built. Yeah. I built one, um, which I'm looking at at the moment. And this... Is that a door? That's the sound of the bla- the main the main entrance blast door going up and down. What the cog door? Yes. Sweet. So it makes a when you slam it home. <laughs> Groovy. But, uh, yeah. So um, so that's that. What else? We're going to take all the Americans' toys and prizes away from them at the weekend. You are. I am. Well, I'm not. Some of their good players are going to be there. Oh, are they? Yeah. But apparently they're not all playing Papa in the Box list, because I did ask. Ah, oh, right. So my anti-Papa in the Box list tactics aren't going to work. It's a shame. Right. Don't overextend yourself. Okay. There's no need to go charging forward. Stupid people do that. Okay, what about a control hand? Don't just fritter away important cards. Especially when you've got seven especially when you've got seven cards in your hand. Right. Don't fritter away your cards on jewels that don't matter. Think beyond that particular activation or that particular interaction. Think towards the end of the turn. And and No, 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 no. Don't think towards the end of the turn. Think about how you're going to score points. I was just about to say that before you really interrupt me. Oh, and sorry. always think about not only how am I going to score points, but also how am I going to deny my opponent points? Which it's, it's, and that is the hardest skill. Most games of Malifaux, it's relatively easy to score seven or eight points if you concentrate. It's denying your opponent those points that is the is the tricky bit. Uh, certainly, certainly with certain scheme pools and um, strategy pools is denying your opponent their points. Yeah. Because even if you go, ha-ha, it's easy to de- deny my opponent their points, I should just kill them all. Because of the way that scoring works, you won't kill them all before they've scored points. Yeah. Um, I need a construct to be able to score my own points a bit at the moment, I think. Yes. Definitely. Get yourself to... You're scoring seven or eight every game consistently, and then you can start. And that's what makes, you know, a Joel or a Mark a Joel or a Mark. Is What, the unpleasant personality? <laughs> oh, harsh. The, the win at all costs, no matter how much you hurt your opponent on an emotional level. I don't think there's anyone who does that, is there? This isn't War Machine. Oh, there is that train. No, we've got terrain and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like proper terrain. Right. Okay, well, I think that's it. Um, That'll do for today, I reckon. Yeah. Perhaps we can record a catch-up on how you did. Or you can record with somebody anyway. Yes. Um, as I'm away. Uh, yeah, you're away in America land. <sighs> going to Miami. I was looking at the weather forecast for Miami for next week. It's only going to be sunny in like 28 degrees. What am I going to do for two, what am I going to do for two days on South Beach? Um, hopefully, get mugged and um, sexually interfered with by Donald Trump. <laughs> I was thinking to get myself a pair of speedos. Whoa! <laughs> what would you want to do that? that? Is America not going through enough trauma at the moment? And on that pleasant image, <laughs> I've been Mike. Stick in my mouth. I've been Matt. <laughs> and with a bit of luck, we'll speak to you again soon.
Bye-bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com.